welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. One of the great stories is in the book of Exodus. We're going to be looking at what this book is named after. Tonight here, we are going to be seeing how God brought his people through the deliverance of slavery and in bondage and in Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea. They were driven out of their land in Egypt and they were finally free. 400 years they had been enslaved and it was God who set them free. This is a story also about salvation. God sets us free. Are you in bondage to sin? Have you been battling ongoing habitual uh, deep sin in your life? Maybe it's bitter attitudes. Maybe it's just hurt. Maybe you've been a victim and you've just been harboring that unforgiveness. And here we're going to see a story about the great deliverance in the Old Testament. The great deliverance in the New Testament is Jesus Christ setting us free from slavery and the slave of sin as well. So go ahead and open your Bibles, book of Exodus chapter 12, verse 29. We're going to be seeing here what God's Word says. Now at midnight, the Lord struck every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and every firstborn of the livestock. All firstborns died. Pharaoh had a firstborn son. Why firstborn males? Because that would have been your heir. That who, that's who receives the inheritance. That's who you pass your kingdom on to. What God is doing is he's saying, Egypt, Pharaoh, I'm going to break your lineage. I'm going to break all of this continuation of first, firstborn males receiving the inheritance. It's going to be gone. So God is changing this. During the night, Pharaoh got up, he along with all of his officials, and all the Egyptians, and there was a loud wailing throughout Egypt, because there wasn't a house without someone dead. Remember, even the animals died. Even the livestock, all firstborns perished. And this is something here that from prisons to dungeons, everyone experienced that. This was a devastating, devastating night. Think about the anxiety of the, of the Hebrews that were in the northern part of Egypt called Goshen. They had put the blood on their mantle and put it over their doorpost, the lentils. And they were anticipating God sweeping through with his angel of the Lord who's going to kill the firstborn. I'm sure they went to bed that night thinking, what is going to happen? I hope we are spared. And I trust, they did have that trust in the Lord. They witnessed the, the miracles and the plagues that separated the Egyptians from the Hebrews that Moses had brought about. These were God's chosen people. And I think we see that Redeemer story about how these folks were in slavery and in bondage in Egypt. And God set them free. Just like in our spiritual lives, God certainly does and will do and does do the same. So we see wailing going on all over the place. 
what's going on. Keep following along in your Bible here. Great story. He summoned Moses and Aaron during the night. And it says, get out immediately from among my people. Both you and the Israelites, and go worship the Lord as you have said. Take even your flocks and your herds as you've asked and leave, and also bless me. At this point, finally, we see a broken Pharaoh. Pharaoh realizes when his son died and all of Egypt lost their firstborn males, he said, this is it. I'm now going to tell them to leave. Now, he summoned Moses. He didn't ask Moses to come. He's just sending a message. Just get out. I'm done. We've had enough of this. We have endured enough of pain, destruction. It's time to move on. And what's powerful about this story is the Lord told Pharaoh at the very beginning through Moses, who's speaking through Aaron, he says, I will drive out my people with my mighty hand so my name will receive great glory. God is now being requested to bless Pharaoh. He's saying, bless me. I need a blessing. This is devastating. You see a prideful, broken man that has experienced great loss. And this is what it looks like. He says, y'all just get out everything you have. Now the Egyptians pressured the people in order to send them quickly out of the country, for they said, we're all going to die. So the people took their dough before it was leavened. So this is where we get unleavened bread from. They didn't have time for their dough to rise. Unleavened bread with their kneading bowls wrapped up in their clothes on their shoulders. I mean, they literally just grabbed what they had. They're leaving Egypt. They're not going back. And it goes on to say, The Israelites acted on Moses' word and asked the Egyptians for silver and gold items and for clothing. So, remember, Moses had told them earlier, he says, listen, when they drive you out, you're going to get anything you want because we're going to be going in the wilderness. You ask for anything. As you're leaving, you just ask for clothes, for gold, for silver. Paralyzing fear is going to come over them. So you get what you want, and they will gladly give it to you. Fear causes us to do and act in ways we would not normally do. And that's what we're experiencing here. The people are scared that they've already lost a family member. Next is going to be me. I'm going to die. You find someone who's scared of death, all of a sudden, they're changing the way they're living. One of the great things about being a believer, even as a child understands this, you know, obviously we don't want to die, but we take great hope, we take great comfort when you've trusted and you've given your life to Jesus and He's your Lord and Savior. Even maybe as a child you said yes to Jesus. I preached on it like this this morning. You said yes to Jesus. You have the confidence that your last breath here on earth is going to be your first breath in heaven. Jesus Christ has a plan and a purpose for our lives. It's not one for us to go on about living in fear. We are told to fear the Lord. We don't live in fear as if we, we have uncertainty. The Egyptians, Pharaoh, lived in fear. 
The Egyptians did not have the hope. They did not have the Yahweh as their Lord. He was not their God. They were ruled by, by the king of Pharaoh. Keep going here in your Bible. And the Lord gave the people, it says in verse 36, such favor with the Egyptians that they give them what they requested. In this way, they plundered the Egyptians. All of these years, the Egyptians had been taking advantage of the Hebrews. They were in bondage. They were making money off of them. And now, complete reversal has occurred. The Hebrews came to say, I'm going to plunder you. All of this that you've built your kingdom on, our, ba on the, on our back, we have been your slaves all this time. You are now going to pay the price for that. It's time for you to give us what is rightfully ours. It's like, it's like it's payback time. But really, what the main principle is not so much that God wanted to stick it to the Egyptians because of, um, they were slaves. What he was showing is two things. First of all, Pharaoh was a prideful, arrogant man. And when Moses first appeared to him, if you remember what he said, he says, who is the Lord? Why should I obey? Why should I listen to him? Get back to work, Moses. That question, who is the Lord? God is answering that question. He says, I'm going to show you who the Lord is. I'm going to reveal my name. By the Lord's name, it's going to, I, I'm going to be great. That's what God is saying. And the second thing what God is doing during the Exodus, He's showing that it was the Lord. You are my people. I am delivering you from Egypt. Now remember, you get to the New Testament. Jesus also, He was very similar to Moses. When He was a baby, He had to flee to Egypt. Egypt is that place that you sometimes have to go there, but you don't want to stay there. You don't, it's not home, but in many ways God develops us, God molds us, God shapes us. Spiritual growth occurs in Egypt. And it's, it's one of those uh, times, maybe for us here, I think the context for us, maybe you are from the country, out in the country in rural Kentucky, wonderful, good hometown folks. You won't find better people in horse country, out in the middle of nowhere. Farmers, just small town America. But you know, there's not a lot of jobs out in the country. There's not a lot of opportunity. You don't have the same um, uh, uh, professional advancements there in the, in the country. So you have to move to Lexington. You have to move to the big city. You have to move to where the jobs are. And you're living here. And this might be Egypt for you. This church might be radically different than what you're used to. But you know, I'm here. God has me here. I'm growing. This is, I'm right in the center of God's will, but there's a longing. One day, I'm going back to the country. Jesus, he spent first year of his life, first uh, possibly two years of his life, until Herod passed away, he had to flee into Egypt. God spoke to Joseph in a dream and brought him back up to live in Nazareth to escape Herod the great. And what's important is Moses, he had to live in Egypt. Moses was there. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's palace. Moses knew Egyptian culture. 
He knew the plight of his people. Remember, Moses killed an Egyptian when he was a 40-year-old man for beating a Hebrew slave because he recognized this is my people. I know we're in slavery, but this is not the way you treat others. But So Moses spent his time in Egypt, and here God is allowing him to set the people free. And for us, our Egypt is a place we might be in, but we don't want to remain there. God might have us there, but ultimately we have another home. In many ways, living here in America, this world is Egypt. This is not our permanent home. It's sinful, it's wicked, it's immoral. This is an immoral country. A country that takes what the Bible says is right and it declares it wrong. A country that says something that is wrong that the Bible says and the country, the city, the world, our United States says, oh, this is right. It completely confuses to two. Remember Nineveh? Remember Nineveh, God says there's 120,000 people there that don't know their right hand from their left hand. They were spiritually confused. And God here, the Lord, is saying, you know, no, I'm, I'm freeing my people. Their home is the promised land. It's not here in Egypt. I gave Abraham, I may have promised to him that this is going to be their land, even though we've been stuck in Egypt. I'm going to set my people free. And through a man named Moses, that occurred here. And so they're plundering the Egyptians. They're headed home. It goes on to say in your Bibles, verse 37, The Israelites traveled from Ramesses to Succoth. About 600,000 abled-bodied men on foot besides their family. Look how large this is. 600,000. That's just the men, able-bodied men. That doesn't include boys and girls. That doesn't include maybe uh, elderly who are, not, who are weak. You know the wives. There could have been very likely a million and a half, maybe two million people that were leaving Egypt. This is a massive group of people leaving Ramesses, the northern area there in Goshen. And here, here's what happened. It says, A mixed crowd also went up with them, along with a huge number of livestock, both flocks and herds, meaning men, women, boys, girls, everyone's heading out. Animals, the people baked the dough they had brought out of Egypt into unleavened loaves, since it had no yeast. For when they were driven out of Egypt, they could not delay and had not prepared provisions for themselves, means they did not... They didn't have time. It's time to go. It's a midnight escape. Pharaoh is driving them out of the land. The time that the Israelites lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that same day, all the Lord's military divisions went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of vigil in honor of the Lord because he would bring them out of the land of, of Egypt. And I don't want you to miss this. It says it's now a vigil. They're, they're leaving the land. They're going home. And it says they're actually honoring the Lord. So who's the real recipient? Who's receiving the honor of this? It was the Lord. When God does a miracle, 
when God saves a soul, when God does, um, does something miraculous in your life, my life, we honor the Lord with that. What's powerful about this, it goes on to say, last sentence, this same night is in honor of the Lord, a night vigil for all the Israelites throughout their generations. We remember this today. We remember the Exodus. God is leading his people out of slavery. I think that's for us. Say, what would be our Exodus story? What do we remember throughout our generations? Maybe for you, it was when you were saved. Can you remember your testimony? I was saved when I was 15 years old. God was working in my life. He reminded me about a decision that I thought I had made, but I knew I hadn't made when I was 11 years old. I wasn't saved when I was 11. I'd walked the aisle, I'd gotten baptized, but God spoke to me when I was 15, saying, Daniel, you're not saved. You're a people pleaser, and you did that to please your associate pastor at your church. You did it to please your parents. But now I want you to trust in me as your Savior. And I did. I repented of my sins. I turned to the Lord as a teenager. Being a teenager is the best time to get saved. A young person. Well, I preached on this morning. You're giving your life to Christ. And you have many more years and decades of service to the Lord. God wants to see you saved. And he wants you to tell that story to other people. It's a story that needs to be passed down to generation after generation to generation. Do you know the story of maybe when your spouse was saved? Do you know the story of when your children were saved? The salvation story is a story for all. And this is what Israelites were to tell the people. And I think the principle for us this evening, the reminder for us, is that God, He's speaking to you tonight, and He's saying, just if I can deliver my people from Pharaoh's hand, and Pharaoh had a strong, fisted hand, I can deliver and help any situation you're in. Are you in tonight? Maybe you're battling addiction. You want to be set free. Maybe you are struggling with your marriage, a rebellious family member, a ch grandchild, a child, and they're running from the Lord. And one of the ways to run through the Lord is just busyness. They don't even have time to think about the Lord. They're just going and going and going and going. And God is speaking to them. And he's saying, listen, I can set you free. I can give you rest. I can help you in this area. The Lord is speaking to you tonight. He's calling you to a spiritual exodus. To leave the land of Egypt. To leave the land of sin. To leave the land of backbiting. To leave the land of adultery. To leave the land of gossip. And to come to a promised land of what he offers better. And he offers better than slavery to sin. Slavery to sin means you are stuck in a rut. You're doing the same thing over and over and over again, and you're looking to be set free. God wants to set you free. God wants to do a work in your life. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Now's your time to respond. Every single sermon has a call to action. It's a call for you to turn to the Lord. Maybe you've heard this message tonight. God has spoken to you, and you say, I need to leave some stuff behind. I need to get out of this exodus. 
I've been trapped in this sin. And Lord, you can set me free. And only the Lord can do it. He says, by his mighty hand, he delivers. This story was told by Jesus. Jesus also went to Egypt. But he didn't stay in Egypt. You're in Egypt today. And God wants you out of there. Now, Egypt, remember, is twofold. It's a place that you sometimes have to go there to escape. But also Egypt is a place that Jesus didn't sin while he was in Egypt. But in many ways, a life of sin, a life of rebellion, can absolutely be a place of Egypt. And God's calling you out of that. I'm going to pray for you. You respond to the Lord. You pray along with me if you want to get saved. If you want to give your life to Christ. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, now is your time to respond to the gospel. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Jesus, you pray along with me. I give you my life. Jesus, I'm yours. God, all these days, I've lived for myself. But now I'm living for you. Please forgive me. Please free me. Lord, I'm coming home. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Let me know if the Lord's speaking in your life. We've got baptism coming up here. Uh, we got baptism this month. Next month we have it in Creek. Maybe you need to follow in believer's baptism. Maybe you've been uh, just on the fence about becoming a member of our church. You reach out to me and let me know what decision you want to make. God calls us to make decisions. God calls us to respond to him. And anytime we hear a message on the exodus, on God, God's people responding and leaving in the middle of the night. Now listen, if they left in the middle of the night, if God has told them to get up and go, would you do the same? Maybe God is doing that to you today. He's telling you, you need to get up, you need to go, you need to come home. And the Exodus is bringing God's, it's the beginning process of bringing God's people home. God bless you. I will see you. Remember, next Sunday, we're meeting in person. We have an in-person worship service, and then we have our business meeting. We'll be back to our online services in two weeks. So we'll, we'll pick up here at the um, latter part of chapter 12 in two weeks. God bless you. I'll see you here in person next Sunday at 6 p.m.